John 1, verse 29 says this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water, and John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. And then John 1.33 says, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, This is he, catch these words, church, who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we ask for nothing short of an outpouring of your spirit tonight. Lord, we didn't come to play games or play church, but to come into your presence, which is the fullness of joy, to come face to face with our living king and for your spirit to come and move upon our hearts. Lord, how we need a fresh filling of your spirit. And I do ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and be the teacher, taking out anything that might be of me or the flesh and just speaking through your word for the glory of God. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right. Uh, I was uh, asked a while back by my wife if I would uh, set up the hose and the little sprinkler thingy and water the backyard. No problem. Okay. I'm like, I got this. So I go out in the backyard, roll out the hose, put the sprinkler in the thing, turn that thing on, and like water came out, but it was like three feet tall. You ever had that? It's like three feet tall. And then I'm like, what gives? What's going on here? You know, and I'm like, something's wrong. And I, I look back across the hose and I see what's happened to the hose. Anybody? It's, it's cinched. Did you say a different word? Is there a different word? Kinked. Hands up if you say kinked for that. Hands up if you say cinched. Okay, so kinked is the word. Is that that an American thing? (laughs) No, it's a you thing, Joel. Do a vocab check. Okay, cinched or kinked, as we would say in the rest of the world outside of Canada. It's kinked. Now, I can see that it's kinked because I'm I'm like not making sense to me because I've got it on full blast. And I can see far down the line that it's kinked. And I'm sitting there like this. I look over at it. And it's almost like it plays out in slow motion. I see my wife come across and go, oh, I can see the problem, honey. Now, I am right by the sprinkler. And I look over like this. And and it's sort of that slow-mo, you know, where she goes to unkink it. Not cinch, because we don't know what that means. She goes to unkink it, and I'm like, no. <laughs> Soaked in water. Now, joking aside, there are, and this is serious to my heart, and this is why when I was praying for you guys, I believe the Holy Spirit put this on my heart. There are so many of us, and I can find myself there at times, you know, in the busyness and the craziness of life and the warfare of daily work, yeah? In relationships and the struggles we have in bills that come and things that are going on in our world, the drama of life. There are things that happen where all of a sudden in our relationship with the Lord, 
it just gets kinked between us and the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about, church? And it's like it's not full-flowing anymore. And you don't have the same godly reaction when someone cuts you off in traffic. You're not like, victory in Jesus. You go, brother. You needed that spot. Oh, no. Oh, no. You chase him for the glory of God. Come on. Don't nudge your husband. That's not fair. (laughs) You're like, this is for you. Okay. And it's kinked. <laughs> it's so funny. That means something very different in Canada. Talk to me after the service. But anyway, uh, it, it's not there. And so we have all these Christians out there. And I find myself there at times. I'm not, there's not the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my reaction, in my response, in my life. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, and God, tonight, I just feel like get, that is the picture. He wants to uncinch it, unkink it, and have a free-flowing relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, what comes to mind? Don't say it out loud, but what comes to mind when you hear the term, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You might possibly be, I want to suggest, in one of three categories. Category one, team one, if this is you, you don't have to nod or wave or anything, but just listen. You might find yourself in one of these three places, ignorant and concerned. Not ignorant in a bad way, but honestly, you just don't know what the says. And you'll admit that. You know what some people have told you. You know what a former denomination told you. And you've also heard some wacky stories, if you're honest, about snakes and swinging from chandeliers and barking like dogs. You've heard some crazy things. So you're ignorant, you would say. You don't know, but you're, and you're concerned. It, and maybe someone brought you here tonight. You're like, oh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, careful, right? And there's a second group. There's some of you in here, and I've seen you already tonight. You're convinced and you're excited. I mean, you found out it was the Holy Spirit and you change your schedule like, oh, I need me some Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> There's some of you, you're like, all right, amen, it's about time, pastor. Some, I mean, some of you have studied this or you come from a church that understands this or you've gathered that while you're here because this is a Holy Spirit church and you're not fearful, you're pumped. Amen, where you at? Come on. Yeah, okay. There's some of you there. And you're like, we need this. This is important. Finally, just a few days ago, I was looking at this. Then there's the third group. And the third group is the teach me group. You're a student of scripture. You're willing to open your mind and your heart to investigate the word for yourself on this topic afresh. And I would pray nothing wrong with group two, nothing wrong if you're in group one, but I would pray we would all, at least tonight, pause and find ourselves in group three. Can we do that? 1 Corinthians 12.1 says this, when it comes to spirituals or spiritual gifts, but it's really the word spirituals in the Greek, says don't be ignorant. And yet I think today, largely with the modern church, uh, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of ignorance. And so this message, uh, I believe the Lord just put together to help clear some of that up. And most of the time, I think it's a it's a doctrine of fear because, you know, people don't want to face the ramifications if the Holy Spirit is real. You know what I'm talking about? There's a lot of us were really comfortable with the, uh, the, tr- the two of the other guys in the Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, you know, you, we find commonly, how's your walk with Jesus? Oh, it's great. Thanks for asking. How's your relationship with God? Good. But when's the last time someone said, how's your relationship with the Holy spirit? And, and so what's happened a lot in church today is it's gone. God, the father, God, the son, and the other guy, shh, cause, cause we don't want to, um, you know, don't open that can, you know what I'm saying? And so I I think, what is the problem? The problem is we don't take time to have a careful look at the life of Jesus. 
Jesus Christ, let me say it, was the most spirit-filled man who ever lived on the planet. Yes, he was the God-man, but he was fully man and fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. And through the Gospels, you and I would have to agree, we never read of Matthew saying, and Jesus Christ, filled with the Spirit, began to shake uncontrollably, violently, without control. You just don't see that. You don't see in, in John's gospel, then he began to roll around on the floor barking like a dog and twitching. It's not in there. No, 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 no. This is the thing that I, it needs to be said. Every time I see Jesus do something filled with the Spirit in the New Testament, it makes me want to admire him. It makes me respect him. It makes me go, I want to be like that. But I went from one extreme to the other. My story, I like to say it, is from sensationalism to cessationism and back. Let me explain it like this. Sensationalism, if you will, is an imbalance where the entire emphasis is on the evidence or the only the works of the Spirit. And it can get to this place where it's everything is the Spirit. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, uh, you know, you're stirring your coffee. You've got your coffee and you're like, look, the Spirit's moving my coffee. No, you just stirred it. And, and some people, you understand what I'm saying? Two people are offended. But sensation. <laughs> it's you. That's you. That's why we're doing the sermon. But <laughs> hear my heart. I was there. I was at a church, and it was all the Spirit. Man, it's the Spirit, and there was no Word. And, and too much of the Spirit and not enough of the Word, and you're going to blow up. And too much of the Word, not enough of the Spirit, you're going to dry up. But if you get the right balance of the Word and the Spirit, you will grow up. And that's what we want to do, church. And so I was in this place of sensationalism where everything was the Spirit, and it kind of turned me off. And, and I ended up in a church in the seeker-sensitive movement, I'll just call it for what it is, that was cessationist. You know what that is? That's where they believe that the, um, the, the gifts, the spiritual manifestations, if you will, and the spiritual gifts died with the death of the last apostle. Anybody heard of what I'm talking about, cessationism? It is the worst hermitill of it, one guy. I'm like, thank you, theological nerd friend. So listen... It is the worst hermeneutic in the Bible. I honestly think it, I was at a church where it was like the Holy Spirit was a swear word. And that's cessationism where they like, oh, the, the, the Holy Spirit ceased. Let's not talk about him. He's, it's scary. We don't want to unleash that. And, and so it, it was almost like the Holy Spirit was this dangerous force rather than a person that wants to move in our lives and bring us to Jesus. But now I kind of swung the pendulum back. Did Now I just want the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the same way Jesus had it working through his life. And what does this tell us about Jesus? John 1, 29. It, it tells us right down at the bottom, I saw the Spirit, towards verse 33, descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained upon him. I did not know him, verse 33. Catch this. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. How will you know the Messiah? Well, the spirit will descend on him and he will. This is what the Bible says. I didn't say this. Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So those of you already in the camp of ignorant concern, you're going, whoa, whoa, careful now. We don't all need a baptism of the Spirit. 
The Bible says you'll know the Messiah. Why? Because he'll be the one that baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. So apparently the Bible says you need that. Well, then the great question is, okay, where does Jesus baptize in the Holy Spirit? Where is that in the Bible? Where does he baptize with the Spirit? Well, let's have a look with me. Let's go. John chapter 2. Okay, it's not there. That's the water to wine. Okay, John 3. Well, that's the new birth. Not there. John 4. It's the Samaritan. Keep going. John 5 is pools of Bethesda. Not, not that chapter. 6 is the feeding of the, Be- of the 5,000. 7, no, the heavenly scholar. Okay, jump down to, okay, you know what? It's not in the Gospel of John. But don't you think if you were John, you'd be looking for that marker? That's what they said. Hey, when you see the guy that baptizes with the Spirit, that's the Messiah. So what are we looking for? The one who baptizes with the Spirit. Do we see it in John? Nowhere. We'll have a look. Here we go. He didn't do it in John, so where's the, ne- the phrase next used in the Bible? Jump one block to the right to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. This is what it says. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Read this with me. Have a look. Which he said, you've heard from me. Now jump, look at verse 5. For John truly baptized with water. Here it is. But you shall be baptized. What is it, church? With the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. That's where it's next said. And then jump down to verse 8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Here Jesus is ready, Acts chapter 1, to baptize with the person of the Holy Spirit. When does this happen? After he's died and been glorified. Why? This is the Spirit coming upon the disciples for service Not for salvation, for witnessing, and for power. You say, whoa, hold on, Joel. You know, we have a lot of people from the ignorant and concerned group here going, hey, we don't need more Holy Spirit. We got the Holy Spirit when we got saved. This is where the the ignorance can sometimes take place. Where do you see this, Joel? Well, let me ask you this question. When did the disciples get saved? Think about that. Well, let's have a look here. Go to John 20, if you will, to the left, a couple chapters. John 20, please, verse 19 says, Then that same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. What did he do? He breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Quick question. Easy answer. First thing that you think is true. Ready? (laughs) Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit. True or false? Look look at this. Would you agree with this? If Jesus gives you something, you got it. Okay, so John 20, 22, Jesus shows up kind of whoop, 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 through the walls. Hey, guys, here I am. He says, look what he says here. Receive the Holy Spirit. And before he does that, he breathes on them. Now, this is important. Why? Because some disagree with the baptism of the Holy Spirit based on the, this one verse right here. 
And I did for years. I was in a cessationist, seeker-sensitive church. We didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. And because of this verse, we, we had to do away with the truism of this verse and say, well, it was symbolic. It was symbolic. He, he didn't really breathe on them because it, it was like it's a symbol. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus came down right now, walked right up to you and said, hey, whatever your name is, Sarah, Sam, John, hey, receive the Holy Spirit. What would be the assumption you would make at that point? That you, it's really simple, isn't it? Right? You receive the Holy Spirit. And I think this messes people up. Why? Because they got the indwelling spirit of salvation. This is when they got saved. Now some say, well, Joel, hold on. That's wrong. They, get, they got saved right when they started following Jesus. Did they? No, no, no. They, they couldn't. What do you mean? Well, they couldn't get saved right then because they were still under the old covenant. Now, stay with me. They were under, they were no different than Abraham and Moses. How do you know that, you ask? Because Jesus hadn't died yet. He hadn't paid the price for their sins. He hadn't conquered Satan's sin, death, demons, the grave, and hell yet. How could they receive forgiveness of sins without the cross? Oh, they could look unto the cross as the Old Testament saints did as unto salvation and their faith was credited to them. They could look to the Messiah that was coming, but their sins had not been paid on the cross. Are you with me, church? This is so, so important today. Why? Have a look at John 7, 37. We're going to build this case and then have some fun. John 7, 37. I love this. Look what it says. This passage gets so missed. On this topic, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit. Now catch this, whom those believing in him, future tense, would receive. For the Holy Spirit, this is the line, was not yet given Because Jesus wasn't glorified. He hadn't gone up, so the Spirit hadn't come down. You with me? And this is so key. I love this. Watch this. What's the problem? He hadn't conquered sin and death. Okay? So let's give you guys salvation. John 20, 22. I'm breathing on you. You get the Holy Spirit. You're saved. Then he says what? What does he say right after John 20, 22? It's so cool. Go and wait in Jerusalem. You know, uh, most translations say, go tarry in Jerusalem, right? Which really messes up a guy named Terry who lives in Jerusalem right now. But other than that, but go tarry just means don't do anything. Wait where you are. Why? Because you got saved, but you didn't get the spirit overflowing yet. You got the spirit inside. This is important. Why? There are three relationships or roles that the Holy Spirit plays in a person's life. I didn't say in a believer's. It counts in a believer's life but in a person's life. And in order to understand the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit, we got to back the truck up and and define those roles or relationship the Holy Spirit plays with us. And they're defined in the prepositions found before the words Holy Spirit throughout the New Testament. And the prepositions are with, if you're a note taker, I would encourage you to just jot this down or in your phone, with, in, or upon. These are the three prepositions used before the mention of the Holy Spirit or the work of the Holy Spirit throughout the New Testament. I'll say them again for you. It's so important. 
with, in, and upon. The first relationship is the with relationship. Turn to John 14, 17. We're going to cover lots of scripture tonight because I just want the Lord to wash us in truth before we take some time to seek the Holy Spirit. John 14, 17 says this. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. Watch this. For he dwells, what's the word? With. There's the first preposition. He dwells with you. The word with, you note takers, is the word close by in your Bibles. Write this word para. Para, P-A-R-A. It's the Greek position that means with or to come alongside. You know, you have a paramedic, paramedic. Right? Paraministry, if you will. Parachurch. These are things that come alongside. A medic who comes alongside you. Well, that's the Greek preposition with you. And what he's saying is, is before you were saved, you have the spirit with you. Did you know that? Some of you, you came to church for the first time. Well, all of you. How many of you, show of hands, remember that the day you got saved? Maybe you're not saved. That's cool. Checking out God's church, faith. We're glad you're here. But those, how many of you remember the day you got saved? The Spirit was with you, bringing you to that service. Do you remember that service when you're sitting there or wherever it was? Maybe you weren't in a service. But some of you are in a service and something was going on. Do you know what I'm talking about? Something was going You're like, what is going on? This is weird. Something is happening inside of me, right? And you're like, is that burritos? Is that tacos? No, it was the Holy Spirit. He has the with relationship. He is alongside. He's with every person. So when you pray for someone, remember that. Holy Spirit, come alongside and convict this person. Draw them to yourself. And so the with relationship, you know, I probably don't have time for this, but I want to tell you and just brag on the Lord. I brought a brother with me, Jeffrey. Can you, can you wave? He's, yeah. Yeah. And he's going to share a song with you tonight. No, he's not. <laughs> he's just the blood drains from his face. You're like, what? You never said anything. No. But just a couple months ago, I was speaking at a conference and prayed with him and his wife to receive Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And he, yeah. And, and someone told me, I'm trying to reach this guy. He's far from God. He's messed up. Sorry, I'm telling your testimony. Uh, He's messed up on a bunch of things, and, and, I, and I just, God put on my heart, pray for this guy, that the Spirit would come alongside and bring him out. He came out. He got saved. Two days later, his wife came. She got saved, and their whole family got baptized recently. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Friends, it was the Holy Spirit that brought you here tonight. He is with you, but he also wants to take the next step in your life. If you haven't had this yet, he wants to go from being beside you to being in you. And that in relationship of the Holy Spirit is the second role or second relationship. It says in these verses, he will be, he's with you and he will be, look what it says, in you. That's the Greek preposition N, E-N in the Greek. It just means inside of, indwelling. He says, I will come to you. I will be in you. I will not leave you as an orphan. You were an orphan, but now you're spiritually adopted by Jesus when the Spirit comes in you. Amen? And so that's the second relationship in John 20, 22. He took a bunch of rough guys and he went, listen, I'm gonna, you're going to receive the Spirit in you. And he breathed on them and they got saved. Now what? Now we have this third relationship of the Holy Spirit. If you're a note taker, jot it down. It's the upon relationship. 
Luke 24. Let's have a look where it is. Matthew, Mark, Luke, if you're new to the Bible. And I said that more for me because I forget sometimes. But anyway, Luke 24. Follow it. Let's turn there. Luke 24, verse 49. I, I, I love this. I get excited. Here we go. Check it out. That's the wrong verse. Okay. <laughs> if there was ever a setup for looking stupid, I'm so excited about this. And that makes no sense. Okay, verse 49. 49. Let's try that. Here we go. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. This is the Greek preposition epi, E-P-I, upon or overflowing is the Greek word. Behold, I send the promise, the Holy Spirit of my Father upon you, but tarry, there it is, (laughs) wait in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. This third relationship, he says, don't move, don't go anywhere, don't do anything until you have the upon relationship of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, he says, you'll receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come epi upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. You know, a lot of people don't witness because they're kinked, they're cinched. They don't have the upon relationship with the Holy Spirit. They're like, well, witnessing's not really my thing. It's not going to be your thing naturally or in your flesh. It's an outflow of the Holy Spirit. It's just not natural for you want to share the gospel. I, we, we were dealing with some stuff back in our church back home, and I got three and a half hours sleep before getting on a flight two days ago. And, and I met with a couple of elders. We got some people dealing with some marriage stuff. And I met with a couple of elders in the morning. And the one elder, he's being funny, don't worry. He says, I know you always share Jesus on the flight. I'm going to pray the people beside you are Christians because you look so tired. So that you don't have to share your faith. And I was like, dude, come on. Really? You're going to pray I don't share my faith? And a lightning struck him right there. And No, no. <laughs> but it's on Instagram. I got on the flight. And I was like, I had three and a half hours of sleep. But I'm tired. But I'm like, Spirit of God, fill me up. And I felt filled with the Spirit. I start sharing the gospel with the couple beside me. And they cut me off. They're like, uh, you, you don't have to. We're Christians. I was like, okay. All right. <laughs> no joke. It was really great. I got a picture with him. It was so funny. We had a good laugh about that. Epi, it means upon. It's overflowing. I want the Spirit overflowing my life. I want the Spirit overflowing your life. I want torrents of living water. And this is how you piece it all together. Before you're saved, you're this glass, this empty glass. You don't have the Spirit in you, the Spirit with you, beside you, if you will. Para. And then you get saved, and all of a sudden, it goes from para to the Greek preposition n. The Spirit is in you. But then the Lord says, just wait, because there's more. The Holy Spirit will not just be in you, but be upon you, overflowing your life. So that torrents of living water come out. And as you pray for the overflowing relationship of the Holy Spirit, this is what happens. And everyone around you gets affected by it. It's awesome. It is, it's the juice of life. It's the joy of life. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I'll be honest. I love having fun. And when I first started praying a couple months ago or whenever it was that 
these guys called about this service. I thought, oh, I'm going to have fun, Lord. I'm going to do some comedy, and we're going to have fun. And the Lord was like, some, somebody is cinched, kink. They don't have the spirit outflowing in their life. So, no, you don't park that, Joel, because I want to pour out my spirit on someone. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jesus freak first and a comedian second. But somebody here tonight needs the overflow of the Holy Spirit in their life. This is for you. I don't know who you are. I know I need it. I know I, I want to come back time and time again and go, Lord, overflow my life. Because, you know, he says, he says, you shall receive power. That's the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamic. It's where we get our word dynamite. Have we ever lived in a time, church, where we more near need to hear the message that we need dynamic Christians, that we need the explosive dynamite overflow of the Spirit in our lives in this world around us? We are in a desperate nation in Canada, and we're in a desperate nation here, and, and the world is looking for this, and they're doing everything else. They're like, you know, I can fill that glass with alcohol. I can fill that glass with drugs. I can fill that glass with cheating on my spouse. I can fill that glass with social media. None of it fills you. And it's going to leave you empty. But there is a person of the Holy Spirit who's been sent to fill you tonight to overflowing. I believe that with everything inside of me. If you're saved... Then I want to ask you, not do you have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have you? It, it, it so turned over to the Holy Spirit that it is just full on for Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You know, before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it, it feels like you're working for Jesus. After the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you realize he's simply working through you. It's so different, you guys. And for years, I was this Christian that it was just trying to, you know, do the works of it all and try to make it happen. And instead of just, it's like, you know, you know, the doctrine of grace, grace, we were just saying in the back room, grace, when grace truly grabs a hold of someone's life, it causes something inside of you to just sit down and just rest. And you stop, we were just saying this in the back, we had a great talk about this, you stop being, you stop going to God's word as an initiator, what can I do for God? And you start going as a respondent to all that God has done for you. And when it's the Holy Spirit, it's not just this picture of a Christian who's a sponge, but now it's a picture of a Christian who's a funnel. It's like, flow in me, Holy Spirit. And through me, I'm not here just to suck it up and learn more and get some Bible knowledge. No, I want to be a conduit of the Holy Spirit. Do, do you know what I mean? That's different, church. We, you know, we've said, oh, well, the church is a hospital. Sick people come in and they get healed. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of more than that. I mean, praise God if, that you're here and you need to come in and get healed. But it's kind of more than a hospital. I'm a little bit action oriented. I want to say it's more like an aircraft carrier. You come in, you land, you get filled up, and then you fly back out on mission. That's what it is. Amen? I mean, don't, don't wrong. You don't get me wrong. You come in here sick, praise God, there's healing for you. But our job is not just to keep you all hooked up to the intravenous. It's to get you back out there sharing Jesus. 
Right? That should be tweeted. That was good. Okay. Uh, but that was the flesh that I said that it was good, so please don't do that. But anyway. Now, remember when Jesus said in Luke, don't do anything until you got the Spirit on you. I want to ask you a question. He says, don't go anywhere. Let me ask you, what did the disciples do after they got the Spirit, John 20, 22? Anyone know? They went fishing. Because inevitably, like happens to a lot of you, you get saved. And if you don't get the spirit right away, and there's a bit of a distance between when you got the spirit in and when you got the spirit overflowing, here's what happens. You get bored and you go, you know what? We got to do something. We can't just sit here. And apparently that was what it was like with the boys, right? And Peter, of course, the loud mouth, he goes, well, I know. Let's just go back to doing what we did before. And for some reason, he got an Alabama accent. I have no idea where that came from. (laughs) Alabama Peter. That's for you. Where you at, Alabama Peter? You're watching right now. That's for you. Okay. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Some guy in Alabama right now is just crying. How does he know? <laughs> it's okay, Peter. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Too much coffee. All right. Um, that's what he did. He went back to what he naturally knew. He's like, let's go fishing. Did they catch anything when they went fishing? Because Jesus told them to do what? Nothing. Why? Because they didn't have the say it, church. They didn't have the overflowing of the Spirit. They got saved, but they were sitting, and they were told to sit because they needed the power for service, salvation, for a witness. But they didn't have it. And some of you in your life, you're like, I never share my faith. God wants to just, tonight might be your night. That's cool. That's scary. Okay. Tonight might be your night. The Lord's like, I want to overflow. You're going to open your mouth. You're going to start sharing the gospel. You're going to start using the gifts in this church to build up the body of Christ. You've been sitting in the wings for too long. It's time to get an overflow. I love that. He says in John 21, verse 3, Peter says, I'm going fishing. (laughs) And they catch nothing. It's a test. Why? Because after salvation, apparently if you cover this part here, yeah, it blocks it out. Anyway, after salvation... They were told to sit. They go fishing. They catch nothing. After the spirit in Acts comes down, they go fishing for men. Who's the guy preaching? Peter, how many fish does he catch? 3,000. Who is right. Once the spirit came upon them, there was power, and people got saved. Until then, they saw no fruit. And let me give you just a couple examples in the scripture because I don't know how long I have. But <laughs> I just want to give you a couple examples in the scripture. Let's do this one. Acts nine seventeen. Ananias went his way. Now, we know, we know Saul in the Bible, of course, who became Paul. He gets saved on the road to Damascus, sees a blinding light, calls out, Lord, he's saved. Then he's told to do what? Same as the disciples. He's told to sit blind and wait. So he goes and sits blind and wait. And then the Lord sends Ananias. Why? Because it's Holy Spirit time. And in Acts 9, 17, Ananias went his way, entered the house and laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You got the spirit inside you, but now you need the overflow because it's about time to do some ministry. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 6. And it happened while a was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Do you see that? It's so clear. 
Hey, you got saved, but did you get the spirit? And look at their answers. Great. So they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there's a Holy Spirit. They're like, holy what? They don't know. And there's a lot of Christians like this because they're in that group. They're either scared or they don't know. And so he, he prays with them. And verse tell, 6 tells us when he laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came epi upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And it's clear to me we need the filling of the Holy Spirit. And this is filling or this baptism is a distinct work from salvation. Now, it can happen at salvation. Some of you got filled at salvation. That's fine. We see that with Cornelius. They're saved and filled at the same time. There's no formula here, if you will. But you want to ask this question tonight. In a minute, we're going to have the band come up. But just before we do that, I want to answer the question. What is necessary to receive the baptism, the filling, or the overflowing? They're all the same thing of the Holy Spirit. What is necessary? I'm going to suggest to you tonight there are three things necessary. Number one, got to pen jot this down, is faith. It's faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. So, for he who comes must believe that he is, and he will reward those who diligently seek. So basically, you have to have faith to believe in Jesus and faith to be filled with the Spirit. Second one is hunger or desire. Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. They shall be filled. Tozer said, almost all Christians want to be full of the Spirit. Only a few want to be filled with the Spirit. So there needs to be a desire. And then thirdly is ask. Luke eleven thirteen, such a great verse. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You have not because you ask not. Another thing, let me just add this before we close and go to a time of worship. Ephesians 5.18, one of my favorite verses on the Holy Spirit, and the necessity of this filling of the Holy Spirit. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and I love this. It's written in the imperative tense. What does that mean? It, it, it means that you have to get the filling of the Spirit. That's what Paul's saying. Because if you don't, you're going to want to be filled with wine and other junk in your life. You just sit around and whatever your filling is, video games, Netflix, I don't know what it is, wine. He says, look, you've got to get the filling of the Spirit. You've got to get back. And here's the deal. It's written in the imperative. But listen, friends, it's also written in the ongoing tense, meaning what? You have to, it literally means to keep being filled of the Holy Spirit. So let me just say this tonight. If you're here tonight, just as the worship team comes up. I want to just invite you to recognize the truth in Ephesians 5.18. And, and the worship band, you guys can come up and play quietly in the background if you can. That'd be great. I want, you to, I want you to recognize the importance of this. It's written in the imperative, and it's written in the ongoing. Why? What's that mean? Here's what that means, friends. Refills are for free. Do you hear me? Yeah? Come on, how many of you hate that when you go to a restaurant, you pay four bucks for a Coke, and then you're like, I'll have another one, and they charge you four bucks again. That is of the devil, right? <laughs> but when you ask that question because you're from England and you're cheap like me or somewhere, Europe, you're like, are refills for free? And the lady goes, oh, yeah. You're like, the cheapness in you comes out. You're like, give me four right now. Just bring them on. Let's have iced tea till we drown, Right? 
with the Holy Spirit, refills are free. Oh, but I prayed for this several years ago. Awesome. I pray for it every morning. And every time I get up to preach, I do two things. I lace my shoes again because I want to be ready for action for the Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, fill me tonight because refills are free. And I can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, just as the band plays, listen carefully to what I'm saying. Some call it baptism. Some call it being filled with the Holy Spirit. Some call it the gift of the Spirit. The scripture refers to it as the promise of the Spirit, the overflow. Some call it the empowering of the Spirit. It doesn't matter what you call it. The main thing is you got to ask the question, do you have it? Do you have him? Is he overflowing your life? Is the water, are there torrents of living water coming out? Because if... I'm telling you, I can't do it without the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so I want to do something tonight. I don't don't know. I'm a little bit winging it here. That's the Holy Spirit sometimes. But I'm going to invite maybe, do we have pastors that can come along the front? We're going to do this. If you're a pastor or that team, we just come along the front because we want to open up the front. You know, there's, there's weird denominations out there. They're like, they take one verse out of text and they're like, oh, they laid hands on them and they got the Holy Spirit. So the only way to get the Holy Spirit is by laying hands on them. Well, then what do you do with Cornelius? Because nobody laid hands on them with them and they all got the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, I guess there's whole ministries built around that. The laying on a hands ministry. But listen, it's there in the Bible. So we go, yeah, that's one way. So tonight there's going to be some people up here. And if you want just personally to come forward and have someone lay hands on you, it's in the Bible. We'll do that. And we're just going to pray that the Holy Spirit will pour out on your life, overflow you, saturate you from head to toe, begin to bring gifts, begin to bring dreams and visions and speak to your heart and guide you. The Holy Spirit, he is here. He is a person. He is ready for that deeper relationship and that overflowing relationship. And tonight, I just want to challenge you, get up out of your seat in a moment. If that's you, and come forward and say, I I want more of the Holy Spirit. But before we do that, I want to give an opportunity just for all of you to respond first. And then some of you may feel led to come and actually have someone lay hands on you, and that's great. But I want to read you Charles Finney's account of his baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says, "But, but as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire... I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit without any expectation of it, without ever having thought in my mind there there even was such a thing for me, without my recollection that I have ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world. The Holy Spirit came upon me in a manner that seemed to go right through me, body and soul. I, I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity through and through. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God, I can recollect distinctly, it seemed like a fan upon me, like immense wings. We're going to do two things. We're going to open up the front for you to come, and maybe you need the Holy Spirit for your marriage. Maybe you need the Holy Spirit just to overflow your heart. Maybe you just want a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. Friends, refills are for free. But first, I want to give a general call. 
If you just want to pray right now for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, would you just stand where you are all over this building, and I want to pray right now for you. Just stand wherever you are if that's you. And, and, and after we've done a song or two of worship, those of you that want to come forward, just come forward during those songs and, and, and ask to get some prayer. And, and maybe you just maybe there's a gift. You say, I'd like to pray. I'd get some prayer for a gift. Then come on forward. But right now, if you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, would you just do this? I love it. We get, we get so weird in church, don't we? Or like, oh, oh, you know, I'm not a real hand raiser in church, right? And, and don't, don't force me to do that. But listen, every time you pray, you close your eyes. Do you know that it, raising hands is mentioned more time in the Bible than closing your eyes? Because guess what? Closing your eyes actually isn't in the Bible. I hate to sound heretical, but did you know that? But six times in the Bible, it says, raise your hands, surrender. Men, holy men, lift your hands. Men need to lead in this. So would you just do this? It's a posture of surrender. Just raise your hands and surrender right now. We're going to pray right now. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here right now to come, to come and fall afresh on us. Lord, baptize us, overflow, fill us afresh. Lord, I want this in my life, the fullness, the overflowing power of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill these people in this place for the glory of God. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's worship the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.